All right, Matthew chapter 9, have you all found it? Those of you that can, please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're uh, physically able to do that. And we're going to read from verse 35 down through verse number 38 this morning. We'll read responsively. We'll read the even-numbered verses together. I'll begin in verse 35. We'll begin together in verse 36. The Bible says there, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Our theme this year is Love Works. We began our first series, The Properties of Love. Today we're going to look at this topic, Love is Compassionate. Love is Compassionate. Let's pray together. Lord, as we look at what love is, would you help us to tear away uh, our false, empty definition, Lord, our mangled and messed up definition, and Lord, help us to replace it with a love that is true and pure and righteous. Lord, where you reveal to us changes that need to be made today, would we be quick to do so? Lord, we want to just stop and say how thankful we are to you that you were so compassionate on us. You look down and You saw our brokenness, you saw our hurt, you saw our need, our eternal need, and you spared no expense. You sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for us. You took our hurt serious, and you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son so that those of us who believe could have everlasting life instead of perishing. And Lord, uh, we look at that grand display of of compassion. And Lord, help us to go forth and share that with others as we listen today. May we be challenged to do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, in 2020, our goal is to fix our affection, to fix our affection, to look at how we love God and how we love others, and to adjust, to tweak, uh, sometimes to throw out what we've been doing and uh, uh, allow God to replace. There are times where we're close, but not quite there, and a, a couple of minor adjustments gets it in line, and then there are other areas where God's going to look at and say, that is so flawed and so broken and so destroyed that you just need to chuck that idea out and let the Word of God be engrafted into your heart. Let the the Word of God uh, renew you and change you and see things made aright. And our goal this year is that God would fix our love. He would fix our affection. Everyone's idea of love is tainted and broken on some level. And it is my prayer that God will break away the broken. He will reshape my love for him and my love uh, for others. Uh, Since we have begun this series over the last uh, three Sundays, God has made it very, very clear to me that I have a long ways to go. Uh, He'll throw a trial or test or a problem in my life and I'll not respond quite the right way. And he'll say, your love isn't working. 
Your love isn't working. Your love needs to be repaired. Your love needs to be renewed. Your love is not my love. They're two separate things. And my goal this year for myself and my goal for each and every one of you is that God would bring us in line with his love. And we would love the way that God wants us to love. Last week we began our first series of the year, the properties or characteristics of love. And we spent time looking at the truth that love is charitable. This week we look at this idea of love being compassionate. Let me give you a definition for the word compassion. I would encourage you to write this down on the back of your bulletin there. I don't have a fill in the blank outline for you this week, but write this down at the top there. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, compassion can be defined this way, putting your pain in my heart, putting your pain in my heart. It's looking at someone who's hurting. It's looking at someone who's broken And determining and deciding that I'm going to care enough for you, care enough for someone else to take your pain and put it in my heart. I'm going to help you carry your pain. Um, uh, Marriage, marriages function on compassion. First Peter chapter three, verse eight, the Bible says this. And again, this is a passage about marriage. It says, finally, be ye, that's a married couple, all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love is brethren. Be fit, be pitiful, be courteous. I'll reference this, no doubt, in sermons to come. We've looked at the three different words that describe love. Ephesians 5, the Bible tells husbands that they are to love their wives. That word for love found in the Bible there is the word agape, or a divine love. Husbands are to love their wives, not necessarily or not uh, 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 exclusively with an eros love, but first with an agape love love. And here the Bible tells us that we're to love with a phileo or a brotherly love. You're to treat your spouse, husband. You're to treat your wife as though that is your sister in the Lord. And ladies, you're to treat your husband as though he is your brother in the Lord. And if they're saved, they are your brother or sister in the Lord. We're to be pitiful. We're to be courteous one toward another. Here's the truth. I was broken when I married my wife. I brought some baggage into our marriage. Oh, I was raised in a good Christian home and I was raised with godly parents, but I was far from a perfect husband when I got married and I still am. My wife brought baggage into the marriage when we got married. And then the reason is, is the same reason for me. Uh, uh, my parents are sinners. Her parents were sinners. Uh, I am a sinner. She is a sinner. And we're two imperfect people trying to put up with each other. And the only way that a marriage is going to last in uh, the long haul is if Both parties will be compassionate one toward the other. We must look at their brokenness and we must put their hurt in our heart. Not only are marriages, uh, not only do marriages function on compassion, church ministries function on compassion. Galatians was written to the church of Galatia. Listen to what Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the, in, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Listen to verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens. 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know what that means? Someone in the church is broken. Hey, instead of picking up a stone and throwing it at them, you go and you say, look, their spirit doesn't want to be helped. I'm going to help them anyway by getting on my knees and praying. And I'm not even going to confront them until I have first dealt with sin in my own heart. I'm going to consider my own life. I'm going to look at it from every angle. I'm going to go to that person after I'm prayed up and my sins are confessed and my spirit is right. And I'm going to approach them in the spirit of meekness so that I can take their hurt and I can put it in my heart. I can have compassion. Church ministries function that way. Church ministries that succeed function by people who look at each other as we're all broken and we need compassion one of another. Not only do marriages function on compassion, not only do church ministries function on compassion, but friendships function on compassion. James 5.16 says this, it says, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know what that means? That means we're to go to each other with our faults, and we're to confess them. I've gotten one comment lately, quite a bit from uh, folks, and uh, the comment has been, Pastor, thank you for being transparent about your struggles. Thank you for being willing to share with us that you struggle with things as well. And listen, if I'm not willing to to confess my faults, if I'm not willing to come to you and say, hey, this is a need in my life, this is a struggle in my life, or this has been a struggle in my life and continues to be, then I'm not a James 5.16 Christian. I'm the pastor and you're the people, but you know what? I consider everyone in here that I know well, I consider you my friend, and I want you to help me. I want you to carry my hurt in your heart. I want you to show compassion to me. But likewise, I want to show compassion to you. True friends, true friends don't weaponize brokenness. They weep over brokenness. True friends don't take someone else's brokenness and hit them over the head with it. They get on their knees and they pray and they weep. And they say, how can I help you? This is what compassion is. This morning, we're going to look deeply at the word compassion through Scripture. We're going to look at it topically. We're going to consider four compelling truths about God's love. On this topic, love is compassionate. Number one, this morning, notice compassion's source. Compassion's source. Let's uh, let's take a journey through Psalm. If we could hold your place in Matthew, our primary locations this morning will be Psalm and Matthew. And so, turn over to Psalm seventy-eight, verse thirty-eight. We're going to look at four or five verses left to right through the book of Psalm. If you're new to church, you don't know where Psalm is. If you have uh, the average Bible, if you'll just close it and open to the middle, you'll probably be in Psalm. And so, turn to Psalm chapter seventy-eight. And look at verse number 38. The Bible says there, speaking of God, it says, But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. We see that God looked down at the brokenness of his people And instead of pouring wrath on them, he at times chose to temper that wrath with a great amount of compassion. We see the source of compassion is God. Look at Psalm 86 verse 15. Psalm 86 verse 15 says this, 
But thou, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Have you stopped to think about how big God is? I believe it's the book of Isaiah says that he holds the water of the world in the palm of his hand. He measures the universe with a span. How much compassion must he have if he's full of compassion? I got to tell you, as broken as this world is, he needs every drop of it, doesn't he? He's full of it. Psalm 112, verse 4, and as you see the verse on the screen there, when I finish one verse, feel free to go ahead and flip over to the next. Psalm 112, verse 4 says this, Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Look at one more with me. Psalm 145, And verse number 8. Psalm 145 and verse number 8. Many of these verses are repetitive, but I, I believe the reason why they're repetitive is to drive home the point that God is full of compassion. Look at verse 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. He is full of compassion. The Lord looks down at our brokenness, and instead of beating us over the head with it with an angry spirit, He looks down and He shows compassion. He puts our pain in His heart. Number one, compassion's source. Number two, notice compassion's sympathy. Compassion's sympathy. While you're in Psalm, turn back over to 103 and look at verse number 14. While you're turning there, let me give you a definition for sympathy. Sympathy is similar to, uh, to compassion. Uh, sympathy, I have it defined this way, two hearts tugging at one load. Two hearts tugging at one load. It's two people tugging at the same problem. It's two people who sit side by side and love on each other. I, um, uh, I remember uh, shortly after I began dating my wife, I asked her, I said, do you remember where you were on September 11th. You know, she lived in Peru at the time, and uh, the tragedy was different there. They, uh, my wife was not born with uh, love and loyalty to the United States the way many of us uh, were. But nonetheless, this uh, September 11th was so uh, grand, and, and there, it was just a big thing that it was felt all around the world. And she said, I do remember where I was. I said, where were you? She said, I was at my friend's house. Her father had died The night before, I was there comforting her. I was there showing her compassion, sympathy. Um, What an important thing. Sympathy. Sympathy is sitting next to someone and saying, let me hurt with you. Let me help you pull that load. Look at Psalm 103 and verse 14. It says, speaking of God, for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Remembereth that we are dust. Do you ever get frustrated with yourself? 
Do you ever think, I can't ever seem to get around this struggle. I, I can't seem to get past this sin. And I've been battling this sin for years, you might say sometimes. Uh, and it, it's nonstop. It hits me over the head. And I fail and I fail. And you get put up with yourself. You get frustrated with yourself. And then you may even say something along these lines. God, how do you put up with me? You see, I may not know about your struggle. Your spouse may not know about your struggle. Your parents may not know about your struggle. Your life group leader may not know about your struggle. But we all know this. God knows about our struggle. And i got to tell you, if I was God, I would have wiped me off the planet a long time ago. I'd have said, I'm tired of that guy. I've given him chance after chance after chance after chance. And he just keeps blowing it over and over and over again. And then you read Psalm 103 verse 14 and you see the sympathy that God has for us. Listen, he knows that we are but dust. He knows that we're born with a struggle. You see, you are born with a sin nature and you will battle that sin nature all the way to the grave. Now, that doesn't give you an excuse to go live in sin and, and waller in it. I heard someone say one time that sinners leap into sin and love it. Christians ought to lap into sin and loathe it. Christians ought to hate their sin. They ought to, when they fall in it, they ought to look at it and, 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 and be disgusted by it and frustrated with it. They ought not do it and, and, and enjoy it. And God looks at us and He sees our struggle. He sees our sin. And He, instead of always dropping the hammer on us and punning us, punishing us, right away he shows us compassion he shows us sympathy can i tell you this that even when he punishes us he does it with a loving compassionate heart i don't believe god ever drops the hammer on us in an effort to say well there i showed you the bible says for whom the lord loveth he chasteneth even as a father the son in whom he delighteth even his chastening is done out of compassion and love Go back over with me to the book of Matthew where we began this morning, Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to see four different times that God showed compassion. And these compassions were aimed at four different types of brokenness. Letter A, spiritual needs. Now, later this year, we're going to look at Jesus as our example. And so I'm not going to talk a whole lot uh, necessarily about how Jesus did these things, but we're going to more look at uh, what it was he addressed and talk about that more generically. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It says, but when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now you'll notice a theme as we go through point number two, compassion, sympathy. uh, sympathy. Before he did anything, compassion moved him. It moved him. It moved him. He saw, he was moved, he did. Let me say that again. He saw... He was moved in his heart, and then he did something about it. Many times, we don't even see the need. But sometimes, we see the need, and we don't feel anything. And then other times, we see a need, and we feel something, but we don't do something. Do you see the elements here? You must see, you must feel, you must do. You must see, you must feel, you must do. That is compassion. That is sympathy. Now, what was Jesus doing here? Jesus, I believe, was standing right on the outskirts of Jerusalem. He loved to get away 
outside of the city to quiet places and pray. And I can't help but wonder if Jesus wasn't, maybe one morning woke up and he stood there and he looked out and he saw the people begin to busy themselves and heading to a market or heading to work or kids heading off to school. And the hustle and bustle of the city of Jerusalem had begun that morning. And Jesus looks out and he doesn't see little boys and little girls and men and women. Jesus looks out and he sees eternal souls that are lost. He sees eternal souls that will not let him gather them as a hen with her babes, as a chicken with her babes. He sees people who have a deep spiritual need. We see here that Jesus looked out and saw their spiritual brokenness. He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. What did he do? He turned and he looked at his disciples and he said, The harvest is plenteous. You see all those people out there? You see how broken they are? It isn't a matter of people to reach. It's a matter of people to go. People to go. People to share. People to help. People to sympathize along with. There was a lady in a nursing home. She was the cantankerous kind. Those of you that work the nursing home ministry, you know the type. Right, Brother John? Yeah. I hope that if I'm in the nursing home, I'm not the cantankerous type. Amen? Uh, The cantankerous type. In fact, she was so cantankerous, the other nurses there that worked there wanted nothing to do with the lady. They gave minimal care to her and... And uh, they would they would just ignore her oftentimes, and she would buzz and call them to the room oftentimes for nothing but just to berate them and and belittle them. And uh, the doctor came in and did his rounds and came to the nurses' station and said uh, that the lady, this cantankerous lady, was nearing death and was going to die. Only had a few a little bit of time left, and so uh, uh, she she buzzed a little later, and and it was approaching the evening, and. A nurse got up from the nurse's station, as she had done many times before, and sort of with a half-hearted spirit walked in and saw the lady. And the lady was, uh, again, mean and nasty and unkind. And the nurse stormed away. Another nurse coming by who was newer and had not quite been as frayed and frazzled yet saw the lady. And she walked into the room and she said to the lady, she said, what's the problem? And the lady berated her and she said, she went and sat down by her and she took the lady by the hand and said, how can I help you? This lady had never had a nurse, and at least in a long time, have someone actually push past the meanness and sit down next to her and care for her. And that lady, that cantankerous woman looked at her nurse and she said, I know that I'm about to die and I'm scared of death and I don't know what to do. That young nurse sat there and remembered that as a little girl, her mother had died at a young age and she didn't have a mom to come in in the middle of the night and calm her during her nightmares and calm her during her struggles. And she would lay in bed at night, oftentimes as a little girl, scared and frantic and afraid without a mom to run her fingers through her hair. And she looked at the lady and she said, would you like me to stay with you? Would you like me to help you? And the lady 
began to weep and she said, would you please? And she pulled back the covers and she slipped under the covers with that lady and she held her old, frail, broken, dying body in her arms and she ran her fingers through her hair and she showed her sympathy. She saw her broken spiritual need and she showed her some care. She showed her compassion. All the other nurses would have let that lady lay there and die. But she decided that she'd stay there. The next morning, the lady never woke up. She slipped into death. And the last thing that woman would ever know was the caring compassion of a, of a, of a nurse. We must see people where they are. We must see their spiritual needs. Unfortunately, people mistreat us, people wrong us, people take advantage of us, people cheat us, people steal from us, people wrong us. And instead of looking at their brokenness and saying, how can I come along and help? We put up our defenses, we put up our guard, and we don't want to help their spiritual need. Jesus saw the brokenness and he began to weep over their need and he was moved with compassion. He put their hurt in his heart. Let her be, notice, health needs. Health needs. Look at Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 14 uh, with me, if you will. Look at two examples of this. Matthew 14, 14. The Bible says, And Jesus went forth and saw, notice the seeing, a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. He saw, he was moved, and look here, and he healed their sick. He healed their sick. Turn over to Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. Uh, John would tell us at the end of his book that, listen, if we wrote down all of the acts of Jesus that he ever did, the world would not be able to contain the books. And we look at a verse like like Matthew 14, 14, and we see that he just, uh, plural, healed their sick. There were multitudes of people that he healed. I wonder if Jesus would heal the individuals. I don't know this, but I wonder if Jesus would heal the individuals. And as the sun was going down and time to go home, all of the people waiting in line to see Jesus, he would look down the line and see faith and say, "Uh, uh, all of you be healed. And dozens, if not hundreds of people at a time, Jesus would heal. Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. He saw those who were blind. He was moved with compassion. He touched their eyes. He gave them sight. A little girl was trying to help take care of her mother. Her mother had a nasty cold and was put to bed. And so she did everything she could to help her mom uh, feel better. And so she got her comfortably in bed and she slipped into the kitchen. And a little while later, she came back into mom's room with a hot cup of tea. And this little girl is only six years old. And the mom's impressed that this six-year-old girl was able to make a cup of tea. She looks at it. She smells it. Sure enough, it's tea. And she looks at the little girl and says, I am impressed. How did you pull that off? She said, well, mom, I watch you. And when dad's sick, you make him a cup of tea. And I watched how you did it. And I just copied the same thing. She said, mom, I got a pot of water boiling on the stove. And I got some tea leaves down down in the water and I got it all all set and then it was time to strain it and mom I couldn't find the strainer and so I found the next best thing I found the fly swatter <laughs> and the woman spits out the coffee and she says oh mom but don't worry she said I know you just bought a new fly swatter and I didn't want to mess that one up so I used the old one instead <laughs> sometimes we can do more hurting than helping can we not Uh, But we need to make sure that we see people's health needs. Why is it that we have a hospital ministry at our church? 
Oh, there's 365 days in a year, probably 100 of them. I'm walking into one of the four major hospitals around here, St. Vincent's or Bridgeport or Griffin or Yale, New Haven, and, and I'm uh, standing next to someone's bedside and I'm holding a hand. I'm uh, 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 praying over someone who is uh, going through a hardship in their life. Uh, the fact is that sin has broken us all, and uh, one day we're all going to die, and we all face times of sickness, and we all, during those times, need someone to come along our side and show us a tremendous deal of compassion. You know, the truth is we're moving so fast through life sometimes, we can't even stop to send a text, make a call, check up on someone. How about the shut-ins of our church? Five, six, seven people in our church who, boy, they poured themselves into making uh, this place go and grow. I went back and watched the 30-year anniversary video this past week and uh, saw the one that was showed here in church very well put together. And uh, I saw um, uh, Miss Audrey Newcomb interviewed in there, and uh, she was part of the building committee that helped make uh, the, the renovating happen and then this building get built. And Miss Zaney Peck, Alan Zaney Peck, we're in that video. These people aren't, aren't around our church much anymore. Miss Audrey comes from time to time and we see her, but she can't see or hear much. And if we're not careful that we just move on past and we forget about them and, uh, uh no big deal. And, uh, they're, 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 they're home and preparing to go on to glory. No, they are hurting and their bodies are breaking down and they need us to show them great compassion, great care, great sympathy. Let her see, notice, Material needs, material needs. Turn over to Matthew chapter 15, verse number 32. So Jesus saw the spiritual needs in Matthew 9. He saw the health needs in uh, Matthew chapter 14 and 20. Matthew 15, Jesus sees the material needs. Look at Matthew 15, 32. Then Jesus called his disciples on him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. And we know here Jesus is getting ready to do one of his miracles where he divides bread and fishes and he feeds the multitudes. But where did that miracle come from? It came from the Lord looking down on these starving people and he decided to feed them. Do you know what it's called when you're hungry and you start to get angry? It's called being hangry. Right? If Pastor Lejeune preaches past 1205, I start seeing foam come out of mouths. People begin to get hangry. Pastor, hurry up. The Methodists are going to beat us to the buffet. And I need to get in line. I, I got to get my food. And Pastor, you're standing between me and my meal. And Jesus is here. And he's ministering to these people. And it wasn't. I'm sure they brought food with him. But three days in, boy, it's all gone or rotten. And it's no good anymore. Jesus looks out on these people. And he sees their hunger. And he looks at his disciples. And he says, I have compassion on them. Because they have a material need. They have a material need. What do you do when you see that your brother or sister has a material need? Do you step in and do your part to help them with it? Now, listen, I'm going to get into, uh, in the next point, I'm going to get into this in a little more detail, but I'll just quickly say this here. You can't help every, every, every homeless person on the street or you wouldn't have any money and you'd be homeless. But can you put their burden in your heart? Can you spiritually pray for them? Can you help them by loving on them and caring for them? And as the Lord leads you to step in and help, can you give and help in those ways? 
Boy, Jesus looked down, he saw those who were spiritually broken. He had compassion. Those who were those who were broken in their health, and he had compassion. He saw those that were hungry, those with physical needs, those with material needs, and he helped them. Letter D, notice financial needs. Turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 27. Here we find Jesus sharing a parable. Now this is oftentimes preached, and rightfully so, because it's the context here, but preached about forgiveness. We're not going to touch forgiveness out of this passage this morning. We're going to take the parable a little more literal than that. Look at verse 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the servant, uh, the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servant saw that was done, uh, they were very sorry, and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And the Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So we see here a man that owed, if you, uh, 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 if you calculate out the amount he owed, it was in the millions or billions of even dollars that he owed this great king. And this king called him in and said, all right, it's the day of reckoning, pay up. And the man didn't have the money. He fell on his knees and said, give me more time and I'll pay you. And the king looked down on compassion and he said, this man's never going to have the money. He's never going to be able to pay. And he said, you know what? I'm moved with compassion. I'm just going to release you and let you go. This man leaves and no doubt he's excited and rejoicing on his way home. He sees a guy across the street that owed him what was equivalent to a hundred bucks. He charges across the street. He grabs the guy by the collar. He says, pay me what thou owest. And the man says, same thing. Give me a little more time and I'll pay you. Except he had no compassion. He took him and he threw him into prison. And those, those servants of the king saw this happen. And they go back to the king and said, the one who you showed compassion to, he's not showing compassion. And the king called him back in and said, I have now unreleased you from the dead. You now owe the whole thing. And he delivers them up to the tormentors. Christian, can I just say this to you all? A couple of points here. Number one, we have all been forgiven of so much. We live in a world where we hear this all the time, especially on TV commercials. You deserve. You deserve. You deserve. The other phrase we hear a lot are, my rights. I have a right to. I have a right to. You know what I have a right to? I have a right to go to hell. You know what I deserve? To split hell wide open. Because I'm a sinner. You know why I'm not going to hell? Because God was compassionate on me. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. He opened up his pocketbook and he paid my debt. The song says he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to take my sin away. Jesus came down and said, you're hopeless. You're hell bound. 
I'm going to step in and I'm going to show you compassion. I'm not going to throw the book at you. Instead, I'm going to throw the blood of Jesus at you. And if you'll believe on me, I will save your soul. And I've been free from hell. And Jesus looks at me and says, you've been forgiven. Now go forth and show compassion on the world around you. Boy, we see someone else who is financially strapped or maybe bad with money and we begin to have an attitude of well i can't help them they're they're just uh in trouble listen i'm not saying you've got to open up your pocketbook and enable them but can you instead of building up a spirit of resentment toward them can you pray for them can you help show them uh, uh, sound financial principles as they'll allow can you not allow hatred to build up in your heart toward them Boy, a need was seen, and instead of allowing hurt to build up, instead of allowing a wall to be put up, boy, this king, he looked down and he had compassion. He had compassion, compassion source, compassion sympathy. Can I be honest this morning? We struggle as Christians, we struggle at showing true compassion. Number three, notice, compassion struggle. Compassion struggled. Why is it so hard to be compassionate? Pastor Morales, when he was here preaching for us, uh, the revival, the Sunday morning, the revival, he preached about the Good Samaritan. And he mentioned compassion quite a bit in that sermon. And no doubt, the story of the Good Samaritan is a story of uh, uh, compassion. And he talked about the priest and the Levite that walked by the man in the ditch. One just crossed the street and ignored. The other one came over and looked, but... He saw, and he may have even been moved, but he did nothing. Why is it that we see so much hurt and we do so little? Letter A, notice we are self-centered. We are self-centered. When I say we, I'm not saying you. Listen, this is an area the Lord is really working on my heart. Self-centered. We, we, we are concerned about ourselves. We're concerned about uh, uh, providing for our own and taking care of our own. And we'll, we'll go as far as helping a hurting family member, but helping that neighbor, helping that person across the pew or, or now chair in church, uh, we're not willing to step in and help. We're not willing to do our part. Why? Because we're self-centered. Listen to what First John chapter 3, verse 17 says. It says, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need... And shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him. Funny enough, the word compassion uh, derives from a root word that talks about bowels and intestines. Why? Because when we're helping someone bear their hurt, it hurts us inwardly. Have you ever noticed that stress affects one of two parts of the body? The head or the stomach? Well, when I get overwhelmed, I begin to either have a headache or a stomach ache. When I'm helping someone bear their hurt, it ought to be that my bowels of compassion are moved. The Bible says here that if you are saved and you see a saved brother or sister in the Lord, and you shut up your bowels of compassion, you shut that down, you cannot lay claim that the love of God dwells in you. Self-centered. We live in a day and time where being selfish is the norm. Being selfish is expected. 
it is possible that that priest and that Levite walked by because they cared more about themselves than they did the broken. They cared more about their schedule than they did the broken. It is possible that they looked and they saw, but they said, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I see that he's bloody. I don't want to get his blood on my clothes. I don't know what it's going to cost me. And I'm not willing to part with the time or the financial sacrifice that it would take to help be compassionate. We struggle to be compassionate because we struggled with being self-centered and selfish. Letter B, notice we are spent in service. We are spent in service. Please turn over to John chapter 21 with me, if you will. I have another theory this morning, and I don't know, and again, this was just a parable, so we can make of it what we will. As a man who works full-time in the ministry, I think I can maybe speak for Pastor Morales on this as well, but as a man who works full-time in the ministry and has done so for well, uh, well more than a decade, pushing um, a decade and a half, um, can I tell you there are times where my phone rings, And I'm too weary to answer. There are times where I get a text message about a bad situation. And I'm too exhausted to know how to handle it. Now that doesn't mean I don't want you to call. I want you to call. It doesn't mean that I don't want you to text. I want you to text. And by the way, I'm talking about the exception to the rule, not the rule. I don't know that I've ever heard this angle presented before or ever even thought it through until I was putting the sermon together. Is it possible that that priest and that Levite were so weary doing the work of the Lord that they didn't have the capacity to help one more person? They were burnt out helping other people. They were burnt out doing their part. Listen, you know it's not just pastors that get burnt out doing the work of the Lord. Some of you here have been deacons for years. You've been attending church and being a good neighbor and a good friend. And you've lived a life of compassion. And you feel as though you've given out all you can give. And you feel that the compassion tank is empty. If I'm honest this morning, I get there sometimes. What do you do in those times? You see, I believe for many Christians, they're not compassionate. The reason why they're not compassionate isn't because they don't want to be. It's that they they just can't anymore. Look at John chapter 21. We find Peter in this state. He's empty. Boy, he's messed up. He, he denied the Lord three times and he went out and wept bitterly. He saw the resurrected Lord and felt unworthy to do the work of the Lord. He told the other disciples, he said, I go a fishing earlier in John 21. You know what he was saying earlier in John 21? He's saying, I quit. I'm done. I can't do this. I can't be compassionate to others. I'm too broken to help other people with their brokenness. I have my own brokenness to deal with. I'm spiritually broken. I denied the Lord three times. I'm not qualified to help bear other burdens because I'm broken myself and I need someone else to bear my burdens. 
He takes his shirt off. We see him in an immodest state in a boat. He goes back to what he was doing prior to following the Lord. He's dragging others out of the ministry with him. And Jesus is standing on the shore. And he has a fish fry ready. And he calls out to the disciples and he says, Come on in, boys. The food is ready to eat. Peter jumps in the water and swims to shore. No doubt feeling guilty. They eat food. And as the fish is still between their teeth, before they're even done with dinner, Jesus pulls Peter, a discouraged Peter to the side, a Peter who is spent in service for the Lord. Look at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Speaking about the fish, probably. He saith unto them, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. I believe that at this point, Jesus is staring a hole through Peter. And Peter is just staring at the ground in a discouraged state. Look what he says here. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Go have compassion on a broken world. Feed my lambs. Look at verse 16. He saith unto him the second time, uh, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He said, hey, pick yourself up off the schneid and go get back to work. Go love my people. Go be compassionate on a broken world. He said this. He said, Peter, if you'll give me your brokenness, I'll help. You'll be able to help others carry their brokenness. Peter, do you love me? Christian, do you love him? Christian, do you love him? You know where Peter failed? He failed when he gave up on his walk with the Lord. The Lord had to come back around and say, Peter, Peter, I have a job for you to do. Are you spent in service this morning? It doesn't just have to be service at church. I'm looking at some very tired and frazzled moms. Well, you get up early, you go to bed late. Some of you work a second job and you come home and you have to cook dinner and help kids with homework and get them tucked into bed. And some of you here, that's not your burden. You carry the hurt of, of an adult child who's wayward. And, and all of your compassion is used up on that. And you say, I don't have the capacity to help anyone else that's hurt. Others of you are, uh, are burnt out from just a busy schedule with work and all the drama that goes on at work. And you come to church and the pastor's asking you to give just a little bit more, to do a little bit more. Pastor Morrison calls you and says, can you be a disciple? And you think, ah, oh, I gotta add one more thing to my plate. And, 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 and how am I gonna help one more person? I can't do anymore. And Jesus looks at you and says, do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lamb. Letter A, we are self-centered. Letter B, we are spent in service. Letter C, notice we are skeptical. We are skeptical. Matthew chapter 7 judge, says this, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Can I just say this evening, that, or this morning rather, this is one that I think bites all of us sometimes. We look at someone who's broken, 
And we, they don't respond the way we want them to respond. And so we say, you know what? I tried helping you, but if you're not going to let me help you, then you just go away. Please hear what I'm about to say. God is not compassionate to us based on who we are. God is compassionate on us because of who He is. God does not call you to be compassionate to a broken person based on how they respond to your compassion. God calls you to be a compassionate person because that's who He has called you to be. And when you help someone and you hold someone's hurt in their heart and you love on them and you pray for them and it feels as though all they're doing is taking advantage of you and all they're doing is, 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 is running around you and, 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 and burdening you in a way where you're seeing no results, you're still called to be compassionate. Now, you may have to change the way you do it. You may have to change your approach. You may have to drop to your knees and make it a matter of prayer. But you never, ever, ever give up on someone. Boy, I remember as a young man, I would pull up to a street corner and I'd see someone standing there with a sign that says homeless and hungry. And I would think, yeah, right. There's a place down the road hiring. You go get a job and feed yourself. You know what I was being? Skeptical. Self-centered. Jesus told us that we're always going to have the poor amongst us. And my friend, there are a lot of people out in the world that are financially poor that need us to love on them. There are a lot of people in this world, they have lots of money, but they're relationally poor. And they need us to love on them. Let me just ask a question this morning. How many of you are carrying your own personal hurt? A private or public, you're carrying your own personal hurt this morning. Would you hold up your hand? Something's hurting you, bothering you. You know why we come to church? To help bear one another's burdens. Not to judge each other. Not to throw stones at each other. Well, if they'd been a better parent, that child wouldn't be such a brat in their 20s. Is that compassion? Were you there in their home? Do you know how they raised that child? Probably not. Well, my, if my spouse would just behave in a better way, did you grow up in their home? Did you see the way they were raised? Do you know the amount of brokenness that was handed to them as a child growing up? How about instead of looking at them through your own shoes, you step out of your shoes and you step into their shoes and you have compassion because they're a broken person and they need your love. Boy, the world needs more compassion and sympathy, not more judgmental Christians that throw stones. Compassion struggle. Hey, let's just be honest this morning. It's a struggle to be compassionate, isn't it? Because our sin nature battles that. Boy, God calls us to be compassionate. Number four, and lastly, notice, compassion's success. Compassion's success. Turn over with me to Jude. Jude only has one chapter. Turn over to Jude and look at verse number 22. I finish with this. Jude, verse 22. It's a verse many here have memorized. You can't preach a sermon on compassion topically and avoid this verse. The Bible says, and if some have compassion, making a difference. Making a difference. Sometimes those differences that are made are small and subtle. Sometimes those differences that we make are even invisible, but they're there and they're real. 
Here's what I want you to get from the message. You're not to be compassionate to others based on how they respond to your compassion. You're to be compassionate to others because that's what God's love is. It's right to, it's always right to do right. One night in Chicago many years ago, D.L. Moody says, when I was on my way home, I saw a man leaning against a lamppost. Stepping up to him and placing my hand on his shoulder, I said, hi sir, are you a Christian? The man flew into a rage, doubled up his fist, and I thought he was going to punch me in the gut. I said, I'm very sorry if I offended you, but I thought I was asking a proper question. Mind your own business, came the response. Deal Moody said, this is my business. About three months later, on a bitter cold morning, about daybreak, daybreak, Mr. Moody says, someone knocked at his door. Who's there? He asked. A stranger answered, uh, 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 what, uh, who's there, he asked, what, what, what do you want? The, the voice on the other side of the door said, I want to become a Christian. Mr. Moody says he opened the door and to his astonishment, there was the man who had cursed him out, talking to him as he leaned against the lamppost. He said, sir, I'm very sorry. I haven't had any peace since that night. Your words have haunted and troubled me. I couldn't sleep last night. And I thought I'd come and get you to pray for me. Mr. Moody invited the man into his home. They sat down with a Bible. And a few short minutes later, that man accepted Christ as his Savior. What can I do for him? The man then asked. That man taught in the Sunday school program in Mr. Moody's church in Chicago. Until the war broke out when he enlisted and was one of the first to be gunned down and killed. But not before he had given a ringing testimony for God. Why? Because Mr. Moody saw a stranger on the street, had compassion for his spiritual need, and his compassion made a difference. Only heaven will reveal all of the differences that our compassion will make on the world around us. One day we will stand before God and we will give an account to Him for how we cared for the world around us. Do you love your neighbor or do you judge him? Do you show compassion uh, to others based on whether or not they deserve it? Rather, we should show compassion to the broken because it is what we are called to do as Christians. Someone once said this, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. Uh, what you spend years creating, often uh, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, someone may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you to do today will often be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best Anyway, in the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. We're not compassionate to others just to be compassionate to others. We are compassionate to others because we are his children. He was compassionate on us. He's given us that compassion to give to the world around us. Christian, are you compassionate?
Are you self-centered? Are you weary in service, spent in service? Are you a skeptic of the world around you? May the Lord break down those struggles. And may He give you a heart full of compassion and sympathy to love the world around you. Lord, we pray this morning as you work in our hearts and work in our midst that you would point out our compassion, lack thereof. Help us to be people who care. Not because of who they are, Lord, be because of who you are and what you've called us to be. Some weary Christian servant, some self-centered person, some person who goes through life with a lot of skepticism. Lord, may we set aside that struggle. Lord, may we care for the world around us. In Jesus' name.